Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Thank you, Jesus. Let's move on as fast as we can. Are you in Romans chapter 2 verse 11? Everybody read Romans 2, 11 together, one to go. Read it loud, one to go. This is one of the rare cases where I prefer the KJV, the King James Version. It says, for there is no respect of persons with God. Everybody say that with me, there is no respect of persons with God. You see, there are very... Few texts, texts in the Bible that are exactly the same way repeated in more than one reference. Texts like um, um, uh, quite a number of them. What's, what's this text about faith? The just shall live by faith. Repeated both in the Old and the New Testament. And it just tells you that this is a very important spiritual ideology and theology. And this text also is reflected in so many instances. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 10, which, by the way, is a commentary on this theological ideology. Peter, being a Hebrew boy, a Jewish boy, had this spiritual superiority complex above Gentiles. And God knew that the only way he's going to go into Cornelius' house is if he shows him in a trance. So... Peter is asleep and he sees a trance um, and he sees animals. He saw animals, but it was not about animals. You need to understand this because some of you, you haven't learned how to interpret dreams. So um, under the law, those animals are called unclean. And he saw unclean animal, animals and the voice of God saying, take, kill, and eat. And he said, no, Lord. You know, some people are so religious, they tend to correct God. I think that's so oxymoronic. No, Lord. You, you have to understand, if he is Lord, it's always yes. You don't argue. But he said, no, Lord. For I am not eating anything that is unclean. And God said, call nothing that I have cleansed unclean. This is how you know the understanding and the interpretation of that dream. When he was in Cornelius' house... He said, God told me not to call anyone, not any animal, not anything. He knew that the, the animals were but a spiritual metaf metaphor for people. Do you understand what I'm saying? He, God was introducing him to the concept of his divine attributes where there is no partiality or respect of persons with him. And so... He knew by experience and by revelation, he said, I perceive. Now I have come to discern that there is no respect of persons with God, but he's faithful to all who will call upon him. And let me add, Jew or Gentile, male or female, rich or poor, no respect of persons with God. And because this is established, it then becomes expected of you as children of God not to have respect of persons as well. And so James tells you, in James chapter 2, he says that you should have no respect of persons. He says, my brethren, James chapter 2 verse 1, have not faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. He said if you do that, it's an embarrassment to what you believe. Do you not know that God has chosen the rich, the poor in this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom. It means you shouldn't have any respect of persons, whether they are poor or rich. It doesn't matter their tribe, their culture. You must learn to see beyond people's possessions, people's exposure. Come on, are you with me? People's reputation in the world. See beyond it. And then he gives examples. If someone comes to you wearing fancy clothes, you shouldn't treat the person any different from how you treat someone who doesn't have fancy clothes. He said that. 
He said, if you do have respect of persons, he says, it's a sin. It's a sin. Such a strong thing to say. And you see, the reason I love God and I love this text in particular is because God always leads by example. He's, he's that type of God. Come on, are you with me? And so the Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, that he laid aside his glory. He humbled himself. Listen, oh my God, from a natural standpoint, you don't understand how intriguing this is. God humbled himself. He doesn't need to. Humble himself for who? For what? God is the only being that is permitted to be self-centered. God is God-centered and rightly so. In him we live and move and have our being. Everything revolves around him and rightly so. Come on, are you with me? So he didn't have to do that. He humbled himself took on the form of a servant. I have said it time and again. I remember when I was preaching the first anniversary of Celebration Church, I said, if the only thing salvation required was for God to become a man, it is challenging enough. You don't understand. God took on flesh. The distance between God and man is greater than the distance between man and animals. Are you aware? Just imagine you had to be a dog for 33 and a half years. You might love dogs, but I assure you, they are not made in the image of God, as beautiful as they are. I hope that does not offend you. Yeah. It better do. I hope it doesn't. You know, but that's true. Now, God becomes a man. The Bible calls it humility. Just the fact that he will be born was humility. Just the fact that he will enter into this world is sacrifice enough. And not just that. He comes to his own, the Bible says, and they will not receive him. Don't you understand? Ha! The stones were already crying. Give us the opportunity. These stupid people, they don't know what they're doing. Just give us the opportunity and we will cry out. He came to his own and his own received him not. And that's humiliating. But it didn't end there. The Bible says he was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Can you, can you imagine that? <laughs> what was the cross made of? Trees, one of his creations. He agreed to hang there. Nails were pierced into his hands and into his feet. What an image. Come on, are you with me? I told you at Reboot Camp that the earth revolted. As soon as his blood touched the earth, the earth revolted. What form of abomination is this? The prince of life had been killed. It was noon, the brightest time of the day, but everywhere went dark. The sun will not shine. The earth gave way. There was an earthquake. Great revolution was happening. They killed the prince of life, Peter said. Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor Kay. And so the Bible now tells us, the writer of Hebrews says this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. It says, for you do not have a high priest that is not touched with the feeling of your infirmities. Ay, my God. The fact that as great as God is, he has identified with us. And now he understands. Come on, are you with me? He understands. The songwriter Dom Wen says, he walked where I walk. He stood where I stand. He understands. Please not the person by the side say, he understands. <laughs> you do not have a high priest that is not touched with the feelings of your infirmity. You see, there are two equally important doctrines when it comes to Christ. Number one is the deity of Christ. The Bible says, um, great is the mystery of godliness. God became a man, was seen of angels, you know, was believed on on the earth. And so it's, it's, it's a very important doctrine. We defend it because it's, it's the truth. But there is something else. The humanity of Jesus is also an important doctrine. In fact, 
John says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 3, it says, Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. I mean, you would think that the only thing the Antichrist will be bothered about is, the, is attacking the doctrine of the deity of Christ. But it says, Any spirit that denies that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. So listen, his divinity and his humanity are both very important. Are you listening to me? God was in Christ united with man. He was 100% God, 100% man, and hypostasis. The hypostatic union, the theologians call it. 100% God and 100% man. He had always been God without an origin, but his humanity had an origin. God took on flesh. And now he is the God-man forever. Say loud amen, somebody. So both are important. And as phenomenal as it is to know that Jesus Christ is God, it is phenomenal for you to realize he's also a man. 100% man. He was hungry. In fact, the legitimacy of his temptation was hinged and predicated on the fact that he was really hungry. It wouldn't have been a temptation to turn stone to bread had he not been hungry. Is that simple enough for you? So he was hungry. He was thirsty. On the cross, he said, I thirst. He was sleepy as often as he needed to be. In fact, on one occasion, the boat was sinking and he, he was still sleeping. Amen, somebody. Deep sleepers say amen. Amen. You are like your father. He gives his beloved sleep. It is very phenomenal that God identifies with us. He took on flesh. He walked on this earth 33 and a half years. And think about it. Even if you were God and you wanted to be man, what kind of man will you be? First and foremost, I'm sure you will pick the most handsome face mankind has ever seen. But Jesus wasn't strikingly handsome, at least not in the flesh. Everybody who was handsome, if it was noteworthy, we were told. We're told about Saul. We're told about David. You know, but Jesus, not so much. We're told about Solomon. Jesus, not so much. He was not strikingly handsome. He didn't come with golden hair. His tears were not crude oil. <laughs> he, he, he was fully a man. Think about that. I mean, there was nothing about his physique from a natural standpoint that gave him away. That blew his disguise. You had to believe by faith that this was the Son of God. Come on, are you with me? And that was God identifying with us. The fact that Jesus was born in a manger. See, listen. By the way, all those Christmas cards and images about the manger... They are a gross underestimation. All those pictures are nice. Do you know what the manger is? The first thing that will welcome you is the smell. And just to help you understand, how many presidents will be born in a manger? How many will agree to stay in a manger for a night? And then the God of the universe is coming as a man and he's born in a manger. That's, that's phenomenal. That's God identifying, not just with man, but with the lowest of men. Amen, somebody. Come on, say loud, amen. amen. This is very important. I'm going somewhere. He was born in a manger to a man who was a carpenter. He wasn't part of the elite, at least not on earth. Never owned a chariot. Nothing phenomenal about him. 
And then the Bible tells us, and this is where I'm going. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, he says, you see your calling. That not many wise, not many mighty, not many noble after the flesh are called. And this is easy for you to grasp because when Jesus came into the world, of all families he could choose, he chose Joseph. So this is easy for you to envisage. Come on, are you with me? Everybody read 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 26 together. One, two, go. Hallelujah. So why did Jesus show all these great examples? So that it doesn't matter how low you are. You know that if God called you, I mean, you have a place. Please, are you listening to that? So Paul is speaking by observation. He must have had a roll call of all the men God used in Bible days in his head. And he's saying, haven't you observed? Not many of them were noble. Not many of them were wise after the flesh. Not many of them were mighty. And so that means it doesn't matter your background. You're without excuse. God has identified with you. Come on, are you with me? Born in a manger to a humble family. There was no form or comeliness, nothing extraordinary about his physique. He was not extraordinarily gifted from a carnal standpoint. I mean, he, I mean, all he did was the will of God. He wasn't seeking to establish himself any other way. He wasn't popular for anything else. And in fact, for the first 30 years of his life, he was not known. Please, are you listening to me? And so the Bible is using that and every other man of God that God has used to say not many wise, not many noble, not many mighty after the flesh are called. And why is he telling you that? So that you will not entertain the idea for a moment that God cannot use you. Come on, are you with me? It doesn't matter your excuse. It doesn't matter your background. Oh, you think you're not so wise? Well, line up. <laughs> line up. When you see some of the ways that the disciples acted, they were not always wise. I assure you. You think you're not of noble birth? Line up! See the people God used. See how they try to exonerate themselves. How they try to run away. You think you're too young? Line up! Do you know how young the disciples were? Let me tell you this. In case it hasn't dawned on you, the Bible tells us that the mother of two of the disciples came to Jesus and to, to say, I want my children to sit by your side in, in paradise. One on the left, one, of, one on the right. Do you know what that reflects to you? Their age. If they were 30 and above, do you think their mother would carry them? <laughs> it means they were young. Probably teenagers. Come on, are you with me? So you are not too young. You are not, you are not too, it doesn't really matter. And so this is the key prophecy of the end time. Joel prophesied thus, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And some don't really understand what he was saying because the, he, many people think that he was giving the strict parameters for spiritual manifestation that dreams will be for old men and prophecy will be for young men. That's not what he was saying. He was being poetic about it. He was describing what he meant by all flesh. No restrictions of age, of gender, of status. Do you understand? He says sons and daughters will prophesy. Old men will dream dreams. Even servants and handmaidens. None will be left out. And so God is doing all this so that you can count yourself in. God, you can use me. God, you can use me. God, you can use me. I, I, I will stop giving excuses. I will stop counting myself out. I will stop thinking that it cannot be done, that I'm too timid, that I'm too young, that I, I, I'm too... God, you can use me. Hallelujah. This is a good opportunity for you to repeat what I'm saying and say, God, I'm ready. I'm ready to be used by you 
in any dimension that you choose. Come on, are you with me? Hi. He says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. None will be left out. Sons, daughters, old, young. It doesn't matter your category. You must belong to one category. <laughs> if you are not old, you probably are young. Hallelujah. Upon servants and handmaidens, don't count yourself out. Come on, are you with me? And don't even entertain a narrow scope with which God can use you. Don't entertain a narrow scope. You won't just preach, you'll perform miracles. Don't create a narrow scope. God is going to use you in an astronomical, astronomical dimension. Say loud, amen. amen. You see, the reason I'm saying this is the Bible is witness to the fact that the people who eventually really get used by God are not necessarily the most gifted. They are the people who just know how to volunteer themselves and say, God, here I am. Use me. And it's really part of my call to challenge people to accept their divine assignments. It is part of my call that when you come in contact with me, that assignment you have left dormant, you will pick it up. And this is that type of night. The Lord is anointing people afresh. Say loud, amen. amen. A mighty army is rising up to divine responsibility amen. to be used of God amen. hallelujah say loud amen. amen and I was looking at old pictures of mine and I was almost in tears you think I'm young now imagine what I looked like 10 years ago when the first branch of celebration just started and I was looking at the pictures and I was stunned. Like, what? And, and just inspired. Because you see, there was nothing you could tell me. God had called me. I refused to consider my age. I didn't see limitations. God is my witness. I did not. You see, God is king. When he summons you, you show up. It's that simple. When he summons you, you show up. So I didn't know how it was going to be done. I knew it would be done. And I was just going to step into prophecy and, and line upon line, precept upon precept. Sometimes it looked difficult, just obeying God every step of the way. You know, now I think about it. By the grace of God, what celebration church means to our generation. What celebration church means to our generation. I had the privilege to speak to two fathers in the body of Christ last week. One of them called my direct line. Okay, both of them called my direct line, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> a story for another day. But all that it signifies to me is that the fathers are aware that the transition is upon us. Come on, are you with me? And, you, and now I'm thinking, God, what if I allowed fear to get the better of me? What if, like, maybe anyone else, I just caved in and took a bank job? You, you wouldn't have known. It's only in heaven you would have known. 
and think about the void. The void that would have been there in all these nations of the world, in UK, in Canada, in the US, in Nigeria. Just God forbid, imagine 22 branches disappeared or they never existed. Think about that. And now, think about you. The implications of not obeying what God has asked you to do. Of second guessing, of doubting. Hallelujah. I came with a word from God, you know, to just tell you, it's time, it's time, it's time, it's time. The world is waiting for you. And you don't have as much time as you think. You don't have as much time as you think. I'm not going to go into that, you know, but you don't have as much time as you think. I know your father said it, but I'm telling you more than ever before, Jesus is coming soon. Well, the great consolation is, is either he meets you or you meet him. We are definitely going. There is none of us who wouldn't have seen Jesus in 120 years. So it's either he meets us or we meet him. But I am telling you categorically, Jesus is coming soon. One of my research partners, you know, called me and said, Sir, are you sure we have 10 years? I said, you are asking the right questions. I'm not saying anything, but I, I, I told the person, I said, you are asking the right questions. Because if, if you know the signs, you know that is not far. Hallelujah. Now is the time. And let me tell you this. I've said it and I'm saying it again. When you see Jesus, you will wish you could go back to do more for him. You will wish. You will wish when it's time, it's time. Ay, my God. Because the hour will come when you can no longer walk. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can't add to what you've done. And you will have an eternity to live with the consequences of your actions. Of your actions or inactions. Now is the time. Pick up your call. Please, are you listening to me? This is just a charge. This is not a... I've left my note behind. Pick up your call. You can do great things for God. And you see, there is a Pauline mentality that I like. I, I don't know how Paul got all these ideas. I don't know how we became like that. You know, Paul said something. He said he labors more abundantly than they all. He's talking about the other apostles. And he said because of his past and all the wrong that he did, it, he was motivated to do more for God. He just felt the need to do more. And you see, that mentality is very different. Because some people think the other way around. They say, because of my past, I can't serve God. Paul said, because of my past, I will do more than everyone else. Are you listening to me? It's like he thought he had to recover. Because, you see, I have sports the church. Because of the things I did, I might have set the body of Christ back by a few years. So I must do more. So he said, I labored more abundantly than they all. What if you had that mentality? The devil has been lying to you that because of your nasty past, you can't be used of God. What if you had the poor life mentality that that's more reason? Wow, Satan, you use me this much, I'm going to do times 10 for God. For everyone that I derailed, I will win times 10 more souls for the Lord. Hallelujah. And it all begins with agreeing with God. God, you said you want to use me. Let me be honest with you. Sometimes I myself, I'm just like, God, what can you really do with me? How much? Because we've done a lot, but I'm telling you what God is showing me. Celebration Church has not started. And sometimes I'm like, God, you're going to do that? When vision brings you to the end of yourself so that you can trust him to carry you. That's where we're stepping into. Come on, say loud, amen. amen. Paul said, I was not disobedient 
to that heavenly vision. I was not disobedient to that heavenly vision. That's why I want to, you know, that's why I'm, what, what I'm here to tell you. So I want you to attempt great things for God. And, and listen, from this night, take it up a notch. Take it up a notch. In a generation where everybody is telling God to do more for them, you tell God you will do more for him. Let God summon you into the throne room. And so that you can hear that this God that everyone is petitioning for answers, he has questions too. And you hear God saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? You know, it messes up with your logic because when you have the, 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 the privilege to peep into that place and you see the cherubs and the seraphims flying around his throne and you see all the splendor, all the glory, you don't think that he needs anything. Well, but he does. He's seeking for a man, a woman who will go for it. You know, in a very selfish generation, he's wondering, who will go for me? Who shall I send? And maybe there is one person in this place who will say, here I am, here I am. Here. Lord, I have done things in the past, but I'm ready for more. Come on, are you with me? And all you need to do is to say, yes, the grace will fall on you. Come on, are you with me? Open your heart to him. Embrace his vision. Embrace his vision. So tonight, make a determination. Just make progress. Make progress. And someone says, how do I do that? I will tell you, number one, look for godly examples. What did I say? Let me tell you this. Human beings are impressionable and you, you have to use that to your advantage. You have to use that to your advantage. Let me ask you this. Those of you who have cliques of friends, are there some languages, some slangs that if someone is not in your community, they will not understand? Yeah, and guess what? Some of those communications, you didn't teach yourself consciously. One person just said it and you guys just picked it. Or it was something very funny that happened at some point and you just say something in reference and everybody understands. It has become your lingua. Isn't that true? And that just tells you how impressionable you are. Use that to your advantage. Let me tell you this. It, it doesn't matter the things that you think you don't have the discipline to do. If you plant yourself in an environment where those things are happening, it, something will jump on you. You will start doing it. I learned this years ago and it's a huge, huge advantage. Whatever habits you want to develop, even if you don't have the discipline, you can get it by proximity. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I said you can get it by proximity. So who is God using for the exact thing that he said he would do with me? Keep it before your face. Keep them before your face. It's a very powerful law. Come on, are you with me? Listen to me. When an angel shows up to tell Mary that even if she has not been with a man, she'll be pregnant. One of the first things the angel tells her, he said, you know your cousin? Your cousin who has, who, is, who has been waiting for a child, she is pregnant. Oh my God. She says, what? Elizabeth is pregnant? Now, Mary says, I will go and check on her. And then Mary goes to check on her. The moment she knocks on the door, Elizabeth, by revelation, said, who am I that the mother of my Lord should come and visit me? That was a confirmation. Come on, are you with me? I am telling you how God establishes you in the assignment that he has called you by supernatural confirmation and examples. The angel said, blessed is she that believes for there will be a performance. These were the things that established her in that conviction. 
So you mean this same angel visited Elizabeth's family and I, I can see the evidence. Ah, it is true. It is true. It is true. There is what we call the deep calling on to deep. Come on, are you with me? Yes, sir. That the moment Mary knocked on the door, the baby in Elizabeth's womb did a somersault. It's the deep calling on to deep. Have you ever seen someone do what you were born to do and then you just felt a wave of boldness from the crown of your... Some of you know what I'm saying. It's like a baptism. In fact, even your natural habits and your natural gifts, you know how most people started singing? They were around singers. Maybe at a young age, they saw someone sing beautifully and they just decided, I would like to learn this. If you know how to play an instrument, there must have been someone. If you, if you know how to dance, there must have, you must have had an old hero. That's how God does what he does. With examples. With examples. So just surround yourself with examples like that. And then the next thing you need to do is to be faithful in little. Be faithful in little. Many of the things I've say, I'm saying, I've taught before, but the difference is you will do. Come on, are you with me? Say, I'm a doer of the word. Say, I'll be faithful with little. Oh my God. When the Lord called me, I started on my floor in school. I started in my room. We will have floor devotions. I will preach every night. I will pray for the sick there. I will minister to people there. It started on the floor. That was the place the first miracles began. Oh my God, it was, uh, there's some strange things I don't know if I should share or not. So something happened. There was a thief on the floor. <laughs> and the first laptop was stolen, second laptop, by the time it got to four. The first thing people observed is, nobody was stealing from me. The interesting thing was, I had a bad locker. So it was open. But people will come and put their laptops in my locker. I had at least four laptops in my locker at every given time. It was strange. I thought they were crazy. I told them, if anything happens in your laptop, don't, <laughs> I don't know what you're doing. But they just believed it will not, and they were right. The people who had padlocks, they will break their padlock and steal their laptop. And nobody touched mine. So, but after a while, it got to a point I said, God, yeah, I like this testimony, but it can't continue like this. And so in the night's devotion, I prayed. And I think I, I, I just felt the Lord lead me to say this. Come on, are you with me? You know the same way Abimelech had a dream. And God told Abimelech, return that man's wife now. I said, the thief will dream this night. And it will not be nice. And all the laptops will be returned. Everybody said amen casually and then we went. About 4 a.m., <laughs> I'm still shocked till date. 4.30 in heaven. One of the first things that I would do in heaven when I get there, I say, show me the files. I want to, what did you show him? I want to see it. I want to see that dream. <laughs> what did you show him? We had full steps. I was praying. We just had full steps very fast. Back, 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 back. back and forth. We could tell from the sound. The person ran back and forth. When we came out, we saw all the laptops that were stolen. They had been dropped on the floor. That night, when I said, come out, let's pray, everybody came out. <laughs> everybody came out. Before I would say, hello, it's time for devotion. Some, some would pretend like they didn't see me. You know? <laughs> that night, everybody came out. Hallelujah. And it, it just faithfulness in the little things. Some of you, that's the problem you have. You're waiting for a stage to pray for the sick. To speak God's word. 
and there are souls everywhere on the streets. Come on, are you with me? Don't you know that God sees the secrets? He says, those who are faithful in little are faithful in much. So meaning even from the little things, he's judging your faithfulness. That there is an assessment in your life. He's saying that what you are doing with the little resources are the exact things you would do if you had more. Meaning if you are waiting for a big stage, you are going to wait because as far as God is concerned, you won't do anything different. If you are not faithful now, you will not be faithful then. You can go through two days without praying and you want to, you want to tell me you will pray if you are a pastor. It doesn't work like that. You start now with the little things. With the little things. Don't be embarrassed to do little things. Don't set your mind on high things. When people call you to serve in a small capacity, do it and do it from your heart. This is how your anointing grows. It grows in expression. I'm telling you. There will first be so many things people will not see. They will not clap for. There are some miracles I saw when I was alone, praying alone. I don't bother sharing them because people won't believe. No witnesses. I will be praying on my own and things will happen. Some strange things will happen in the room and I'll just be like, what just happened? And God kept doing that, doing that. I kept wondering why the Lord was doing all those things. What was he trying to show me? Now I understand. Please, are you listening to me? So it starts with the little things. It starts with the little things. It starts with the little things. You may not understand why, of all people, you are the... Let let me tell you something. Some other person, if they were David, they would think they have bad luck. The other day, a lion came, now a bear. Am I cursed? Oh my God, you're not cursed. God is using that to train you. Because Goliath is coming. Come on, are you with me? Maybe that's why you are in so much trouble now. <laughs> you don't understand. God is using it to train you, to give, build stamina. You know, there was something that happened. Someone I needed to pray for, I think some two months ago. And what was happening? I had dealt with that case 2011. I can't really tell you specifically what it was. But I dealt with that case 2011. There was, there was a type of spirit I was to cast out from someone. I had dealt with that case 2011. So there was a bit of a fix. I knew what to do. And in 2011, when I was doing it, just three people, you were there. We were, we were just about to graduate from school then. Just few people there. And it was the things that God taught me there in those small meetings. Many of those lessons are still saving lives till dates. Just to be sure you are following. I know that this is not, um, some of you like Greek words here and there, but I hope this is blessing you. What is number one? What's number two? What's number one again? And what is number two? And then number three, be bold. Be bold. Be bold. Oh my God. There is almost nobody that God used and he didn't give them this instruction. Be strong and very courageous. Ay, my God. You know what God told Jeremiah? He said, don't be afraid of their faces. Meaning that's a practice. That's something to rehearse. God, I will not be afraid. I will not be afraid. Let me tell you a simple way to develop this boldness. Evangelize. I can tell you it is one of the biggest secrets. So many people don't know. If you want to develop gifts of the Spirit, evangelize. Because it is when you are sitting on the well and the Samaritan woman approaches, it might be the first time you will just know things about someone supernaturally. Some of you, you want the gifts of the Spirit to drop on your lap in your sitting room. It doesn't work that way. Those gifts are, they are developed on the field. Are you with me? 
When you learn to talk to people, they look stern. They look, you know, I remember the last time, you know, I was in the UK. Went at the boat together. I was preaching to one Muslim guy. It, it, it was not successful at all. <laughs> I'm telling you, it, yeah, it was not successful. It looked like the conversation did not go anywhere. And when I was coming down from the vehicle, I still told him, believe in God. He removed his glasses. He said, no. <laughs> Let me tell you one secret, for instance. If you want to be a good preacher, evangelize, there are some questions people will ask you on the field. It will make you go back and study. You become better. You, you, you will hear perspectives you've not heard before. And if you, by the time when you're preaching, you will say, what type of question is this? <laughs> you will hear questions. If you're up here preaching all the time, you don't have feedback. <laughs> you don't have feedback. You are not getting, you're not even getting clearer. There's a way you can preach with clarity. You want to learn how to preach with clarity? Talk to people. By the time you say all the things you used to say on stage, all those Christianese, and they say, I don't understand, you will learn how to break things better. You will learn to break things down more. And gifts will grow. I'm telling you how I got here. I remember one day I was praying. The Lord sent me out. Go and preach. <laughs> so I went out. The third lady I was talking to that day, I said, how are you? And the Lord said, ask her, how was her daddy's birthday? <laughs> you know, these are things, if you are wrong, you are in trouble. <laughs> so I said, how was your dad's birthday? How did you know his birthday was yesterday? I said, sit down, sit down. <laughs> I, you know, I pretended I was not surprised. Me too, I was impressed that, ah. <laughs> but I pretended, you know, you met man of God. You know, Sit down. <laughs> I almost said, Do I know you before? <laughs> Did I talk to you? <laughs> I was like, Celebrate Grace. <laughs> this was 2009. <laughs> On the field, that's when the, the gifts will be growing. And as I kept at it, as I kept at it, it started growing. I began to step into dimensions even of prophetic gifts that I didn't understand. I'll be talking to people, I'm seeing numbers on their head. What is this? So I remember the first time I didn't want to embarrass myself. I'm talking to this guy on campus. I'm saying 362 or something. Or something. So I write down the number. I said, sorry, what's your CGPA? He said 3.62. Ha! I said, what? So that's it. See, so let me tell you something. I don't think I've ever said this before. What I see in the prophetic, nine out of ten believers see it, but they don't know what it is. You would think maybe God, I'm hearing God audibly saying, yes, that person wearing blue shirts. <laughs> It doesn't work like that. Sometimes it's a flash. It, it will flash in your eyes. And if you don't know it, you will know what it is. You will not know what it is. These things, they, they, you get better at it. You get better at it. There are some things when I see, I know what it is. I know what it means. I know what it means. I don't want to tell you so that you don't become methodological. If someone has a demon, there are ways I know. I know. For instance, the eyes are the window of the spirits. When you look into people's eyes, more often than not, you can tell. It has nothing to do with the physical shape of their eye. It's not about how they drew the eye pencil. <laughs> because if you grow up in some 
Christian, once you see Ibex, you say, come, come. <laughs> it has nothing to do with that. You know, when the Lord was teaching me this, you know, one, of, one, of, one mentor I had those days, who was very strong in discernment, said, we need to pray for one lady. She's tormented by demon spirits. She said, okay, let's go. When I entered the place, she had no earrings, no makeup. She tied a headgear and was singing worship songs as she was waiting for us. So when I entered, I said, this can't be right. This man of God, is, there's nothing wrong with this lady. <laughs> when prayer started and the lady, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I heard a strong masculine voice. Ah, that's when I knew <laughs> that the things of the spirits, <laughs> that's when I knew by experience that men look on the outward appearance, but God looks at the way. I can give you example upon example on how serving in small capacities, doing little things, develop muscle. Hallelujah. So you start now. You start now. You start now. You start now. I want to say this and it's very sensitive. Please forgive me. Okay, let me put it this way. I am glad the limelight did not come prematurely. I am glad. I am glad. In fact, sometimes I wish I had more time. Because there are some things I'm grateful to God that I I didn't have to start learning now. Are you listening to me? I'm grateful I learned it early. I'm grateful I learned it early. And you see, if you miss that season, it might be too late forever. Because now, some people, their reputation is too much on the line to even obey God. Because they have too big a reputation before men to fail. But when you are young, I remember the first time, you see, when I say, if I say there is someone here, there is someone here, I have learned by experience. I know when it's my mind, I know when it's God. So even if nobody comes out, I, can I t- honestly speaking, uh-huh. If I tell you there is someone here, I'm not impressed by if they come out or not. I know because God said it. Because these are things I have rehearsed. Come on, are you with me? There was a lady in school. I said, I see 4.89 over your head. Is your CGPA 4.89? She said, No, sir. Is 4.87. I said, mm, I was wrong. This was early in the morning. Then she went to class. The course rep came out and said, um, a new result has been pasted. That one, there were errors. So she went, and they, some courses she had Bs were upgraded to A. Guess her new CGPA, 4.89. She came back screaming. Hallelujah. So, all those things and thank God I also learned early if I'm wrong I will tell you I'm wrong we are not infallible all these things I learned I learned humility I learned how to wait on God how to trust in God in the small things and you can learn them early and you develop the bravery so when you are standing before Goliath everybody is afraid for you but you are not afraid Do you know what it means? Let me ask you this. If you had the opportunity to face a giant or to face a lion, who will you choose? (laughs) Maybe you never thought about it. Let me see if you know science well. Hold on. If you have the opportunity to face a lion or a bear, which one will you choose? You better choose lion because... You may be able to run. But if you run away from a bear, it will follow your sense. Are you aware? It will follow. You you cannot hide. You know that, right? They will pick. So when a young boy has killed a lion and a bear, he sees Goliath and he's just like... (laughs) There is too much surface area to attack. 
too much. He's like, where do I start? See, David was sure. He was not fidgety. Are you aware? It is not like God told him to face Goliath and he was afraid. But he just said, he now spoke to himself that I would do it. No. David, God did not tell David to face Goliath. Are you aware? He saw an opportunity. He knew he could do it. He was that competent. He knew he could do it. So he, he asked first, what will be given to the person that will get beat this guy? <laughs> he knew it was a piece of cake. He was sure. And by the way, it was easy. When you are great with the sling, a giant who, who even lacks mobility, you just start from father, you do like, hey. He said, this is cheap. Come on, I get where I'm saying. That's how come you can start what God has asked you to Let me tell you this. When we started this church, I had no aorta of fear. None. None. Because 10 years ago, <laughs> I had already done business with God in secret. I, I knew. Do you understand what I'm saying? Where I come from, there's somebody they call oh, Papa Yongi. <laughs> how do I how do I explain it to to in it? <laughs> it means listen, I you see, I I had gained the experience. A long time ago. First year in ministry, I was talking to someone, who, I mean, a mega church pastor. He asked me some questions and he was like, you talk like an old man. You, say, you have the wisdom of the agent. Because, sir, when it comes to church, I can do it in my sleep. And not just that, I have the gift of leadership. I can tell you, you know what? Do this, do this, do this, don't do this, do this, do this. That's the kind of proficiency God wants to build in us. Amen, somebody. Amen. Having said a lot of this, here is what we're going to do now. First and foremost, there'll be a major impartation tomorrow. I don't want you to miss it. So this is just a preliminary to open up your heart, right? And I will pray. We will sing for a bit, just a few minutes, and then I will pray. And for every one of you who believes what I'm about to say, your life is about to change. And here is what I'm, I'm telling you. The Lord told me, he said, everyone who looks on you and believes what I'm doing in your life, he says, there is a gift of replication on you. He says, I will replicate the graces and with the ease at which you are doing it, they begin to do it. That's what he says. So I believe that part of my humble assignments is to bring people to the deep waters, to be able to trade where I trade. Come on, are you with me? Ay, my God. Because you see, in the realm of the Spirit, we don't learn just by education. In the world, they tell you ABC. Say after me, ABC. In the realm of the Spirit, impartation brings you into what you were born to do. Because your assignment is your natural habitat. It's like fish in water. And so when you are in line with God... You'll be connected to what you were born to do. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. So right there, where you are, just worship him right now. Focus on him. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.